We're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by the good people here of Guns of Eden. We have Alexandra Faye Sedagan. Hey. Hope I said that Hi. right. It was close. Uh, we were close. close. <laughs> I'll take that. Try. Yeah. Traz Johnson. <laughs> yes, Very excited. I'd like to see that. And director Greg Lamberson. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. Uh, so for people who are not aware yet, could uh, Greg, could you give them an idea of what the movie is about? Uh, Guns of Eden is a combination of 70s thriller like Deliverance and 80s action film like First Blood with a female hero. There you go. And uh, what, uh, what attracted you to the role, uh, Alexandra? It was awesome. Um, That's a good answer. Yeah, I feel like that was it. It was awesome. I was like, this is really cool. And I really like, uh, I mean, it's female empowerment. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was, it's a very empowering role for a female to have. So, and I, did you know, I was going to say we, quick, did you know, did you know Greg at all before this? I did not. What were you about to say, Greg? Sorry. I was going to say, uh, after Killer Rack was the first time that I thought about doing the script, uh, which I had written like 25 years earlier. And from the get go, I knew that the whole thing hinged on having the right actor playing that female role. And uh, I did some general looking locally because that would save a lot of money to have a local person doing the role. And there wasn't anybody that met what I wanted for that character. So when we decided to go full on, um, Peter, Peter's a casting agent, so he can tell you a lot about what this process is like, but rather than do a general casting call and go through 2000 resumes, which I've done for different characters, I put out the word among other filmmakers to say, I, you know, this is what I'm looking for, for this character. And, and John Woodruff, who did a film that we showed at the festival, mm -hmm. what's the Animal among us. Animal among us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Recommended Alexandra. Um, more, probably more than any film I've done, I just felt like we had to have the right person for this character or it wouldn't work at all. So we did the casting pretty early on. And uh, the danger with that, um, you know, a lot of filmmakers cast for films that they don't have funding for. Yeah. So, so the, <laughs> the person that you're considering from the role has to have some faith in you that you're not full of shit and that you're going to be able to, to actually raise the money. So we had, we, uh, Tamara and I had a few Zoom meetings with Alexandra just so that she'd know we were real and we knew she was down to earth and somebody that we could work with under what we expected to be difficult COVID uh, situation. And yeah. it wasn't even like it was between her and anyone else. We knew very early on that she was the one for that part. Well, what was specific? What was specifically about her, about Alexandra that would made her right? Okay. So uh, I think Tamar received her resume first. And yeah. even though I have final say on, on all casting, um, right, right away, right off the bat, Tamar was adamant. And I was a little skeptical only because for 25 years, I had imagined this character as being more Irish looking, you know, strawberry blonde hair, freckles, smoking Marlboros in, in, a, in a bar in Queens. Um, but physically, Alexandra had the physique. To, to be an action hero, first of all. And then her uh, her demo reel was good, and her, there was just no uh, comparison in terms of the audition she did. So uh, each step of the way, we were just like, please let this let this be good. And, and each step of the way was actually better. Yeah. Was the audition over Zoom, too? 
Uh, self-tape, which is pretty common these days. And what yeah. was the audition like, Alexandra? Um, I remember I was like, I really want this one. It's like, let's do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like, you know, uh, I really liked the material. Um, just try to do, do it justice, honestly. It's a and pretty heavy I, dramatic part. I mean, yeah. and without monologues, it's, it's, you know, like any male action hero, it's supposed to be simple dialogue. So you've got to convey a lot without a whole lot of dialogue. Yeah. Uh, Traz, how did you get involved? Sorry if I took over, talked over someone. Um, well, you know what? I've I'm, I've been um, working in the area as an actor, and I have a casting company, and I've been wanting to work with Greg for a while, right? So, like, you know, Greg has has done a string of films, you know, that have been locally produced, and um, even myself, I've also, you know, produced and directed some films. And I, I just mentioned to him a while back, like, hey, listen, like, you know, if the situation occurs, like, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to collaborate with you somehow, some way. Um, and, you know, this situation, you know, kind of came up and he was looking for, you know, a strong lead. He kind of told me what he what he wanted, you know, for this. And, you know, I was just kind of I think it just kind of fit me, you know, as well, you know, of what he was looking for in the character. Um, and yeah, you know, we just kind of made it work, man. It was great. And uh, did you feel you guys had chemistry together? Sorry, Greg. I'll talk, I'll get back to that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> it was, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, man, because, um, sometimes you don't know that, right? Like, you yeah. know, you go into a film, uh, you're cast for a part and you kind of go into it blindly, not knowing who your scene partner is, not knowing if they're going to be good, if they're going to yeah. feed off of you, the energy, um, and I think, yeah, just from like our first day of working together, our energy kind of messed. We fed off one another. I mean, we still talk to that. She just sent me an audition yesterday for another thing I'm casting. Like I always, like I keep her in the loop now because I know <laughs> how good she is and I know how well she can perform. So like, I want to get her cast and other stuff. Like she's great. Oh yeah. It was, it was a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh, yes, perfect. Because Traz is perfect for the role, but he's also awesome and also really good um, and really nice. So I was just like, yeah. Traz did not have to audition. Um, I've shown a few of his films at my festival, and he and I have worked on some of the same projects together. You know, not my projects, not his, but where we were both hired hands. Um, so I basically I've known for a few years that he's very serious about what he does and you know, Neil, you've been to Buffalo and you've seen like when we show horror films and stuff, you're used to seeing the same actors over and over. But there's yeah. a whole bigger community than just that. And Peter's a big part of that. And, you know, here in town, you've got the the amateurs who just do it for fun and give it their all. You've got the people who maybe have a little experience and a little talent, but there's not enough work so that they can do this full time. So, you know, they may only be able to shoot weekends or something like that. And then there are people like Traz and I who we have to have our hands in different things mm -hmm. in order to, to make a living. But when something comes up, we can commit to it full time. So I knew that if, if he said yes to the part, he'd be great in it. Um, I had written it for a friend of mine 25 years ago. Now he's, he's too old to even consider. Um, and I was thinking of, of the people in the community. Who do I know that could really do this character justice? And, and it was him. Unfortunately, he said yes. And 
he asked very early on, oh, can I get in touch with Alexandra and we can work on some stuff together? And I didn't even have to ask him. So I knew I had two professionals in those two key lead roles, and I knew that they would find their chemistry and their their little relationships with the characters and stuff, and I wouldn't have to worry about that. So it takes a big load off your shoulders if you're trying to do something of a certain level to have people that can uh, fully commit that way. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it's not like a mo- lot of monologues, so it's a very physical role, Alexandra. Had you done a lot of action movies before? Um, no, I haven't done. No, I hadn't done a lot of action. I did a lot of dramas. Um, yeah, it was mostly drama and stuff. But I am like relatively athletic, so it was something where I was really excited to jump into. Um, I told Greg that I, I was taking like boxing classes and all of this stuff just to kind of prepare for the role so that we had some kind of somewhere to go when we finally got up there and, you know, to make sure I could do everything that was needed for the role. Had you ever uh, directed a lot of action before, Greg? Um, not a lot, but, you know, quite a few of my films have one fight scene or two fight scenes. And on this one, really, the extent of my involvement in those two big fight scenes is I wrote it. And then I got Alex McBride, who's been on the show, you know, from Killer Rack. He yeah. came on with Michael O'Hare once. He's he's my fight choreographer. And I yeah. trusted him, basically, to take what I wrote and amp it up some. And he worked with Alexandra, Peter, the two actors that they fight, Tim O'Hearn and Andrew Dale. And they coordinated all that. And then Chris Cosgrave, you know, had to figure out how to shoot it. So yeah. my my part in those fight scenes, honestly, was, was fairly minimal. I, I created it and I wrote it. And then I basically just watched, watched it happen. Yeah. And you said, you know, you came up with the idea like 25 years ago. How much has the movie we saw changed from your original you know, concept? Surprisingly, not all that much. Um, I had like an 80 page script before. It was definitely lacking some focus, but the characters were the same. The concepts were same. A lot of the scenes were the same. But I was 25 years younger. So now there are themes. You know, when I when I wrote this film, I was just grasping for who the villains would be. And I was just to me, the idea of, you know, religious gun nuts was uh, just something I latched onto. I never thought that we would be where we are. (laughs) Yeah. And not to laugh at that. It's like those are these guys. There weren't there weren't there weren't cell phones like this when he wrote it. And then there's cell phones in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right so we did have to we did have to do the cliche of explaining that there's no service with the uh right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it is bad that is one bad thing about cell phones they ruin movies it's, you always have to have a scene where why why they can't use them but uh, I how it happens. i'm gonna it write one that's all self all about cell phones like they're gonna be used constantly and people are gonna be taping it and they're gonna call the cops and the cops are gonna arrive on time and it's just gonna <laughs> blow all the cliches out the window right Perfect. It's the next where, one. Where did you film this? I assume Buffalo, but yeah, around the area, um, different parks, a farm we were on for five days. Uh, we, were, me and Chris Cosgrave, the cinematographer, we were really conscious during uh, pre-production to find locations that looked different, so it didn't look like we were in the same woods every single scene. Because I've seen films like that, especially found footage yeah. films. So we did some traveling to get to, to different parks. Like the one with the the rocks, you know, the caverns mm-hmm. and stuff that Alexandra has to run through, which literally had eight inches of mud. I mean, you just from the film, you can't tell how how sketchy that. It was uh, nasty. Was. 
You were. You were. I don't think you were. I think I don't think you were on set, Alexandra, when we were at one in. Uh, and Greg like fell in water. Rocks and like fell, and I was like his shoe went in and everything, and it was like whoa. <laughs> it was all rocks leading to a waterfall, and I led the way, and I went down, and now one person helped me up. <laughs> I was like, uh. That looked dangerous. <laughs> it's not like I could do one of those I meant to do that things. Like I fell yeah. face down in a whole bunch of rocks and yeah. nobody helped me up. Well, I hope you're all right. I hope you're okay. <laughs> it's probably just as scarred. well you didn't help me that day, Peter, because that was the last day. I was, that like, was the yeah, day I was... when I had you doing all that other stuff. I was like, I'm over this. <laughs> I hope you're okay. <laughs> uh, are, were there any injuries on the uh, film of the movie? No, just sore muscles, as far as I know. Did you get hurt sore at all, muscles. Alexandra? I didn't. Yeah, actually, no. I came I out of my shoe cuts. several times. I, uh, I came yeah. out of my shoe. Like, I, for some reason, I, I, uh, Greg told me, he says, make sure we get, you know, you get some comfortable boots, you know, to, to, to go with this. And I think the night before filming, I went to Walmart and I was just like, oh, let me just get a pair of, and I got these like uh, low top things that don't like they didn't support my ankle and there were multiple scenes where i'm running and i come out of my shoe just shoe just goes flying and it started to see that in an outtakes reel yeah yeah it develops a personality of its own the shoe just doesn't want to be on my foot any any longer there's a a contrast in methods right there because i told you that at the same time that i made arrangements with alexandra and we picked out boots and she broke them in and she didn't like the color and dyed them. And she did all this. And you just went to Walmart the night before. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you know, in the future, if you ever need to, uh, you know, yeah. go fighting out in the woods or something. Is spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian oh Esposito God. here in the chat, who's also in the movie. Yeah. Uh, he, um, do you think that filmmakers are becoming more brave to make movies with social and political commentary? No, I think it's, it's always been there. I think if anything, people are taking less chances unless they have a distributor up front and that wants something edgy like that. Yeah. We, we're, we're in a, we're in a, this age now of like, uh, indie filmmakers. I mean, you can make, you can, you know, you can make a, you know, people are shooting movies on their iPhones, right? Yeah. So because you have that and you have all of these other different outlets, you got YouTube and uh, just other streaming outlets. People are taking chances, man. They want, you know, they, they, they want, you know, video has become more accessible and now even outlets, you know, if you want to do it, there's an outlet for it. So, you know, yeah. people are, are kind of going gun hell right now. Yeah. Uh, like Greg said, though, I think it's always been there. Uh, it's just some people like, they, I guess they did notice it because, like, for example, with the new Candyman or even uh, Star Star Trek, I have, you know, people will fight me on Facebook about this, saying that, like, the new Star Trek is all about social commentary. And it's like, had you ever watched Star Trek? Or <laughs> it's, it's, oh, I mean, that's like the whole basis of the original uh, series. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. So I know you have the crowdfunding going on right now. Correct. Second campaign. And well, what's this for? Finishing funds, you know, once you have a distributor, you have to provide deliverables and the price of those items that you got to submit goes up a little bit. I also have one perk from the the big campaign, the novelization that I have to self-publish. So I need to have some funds to cover that as well. And you do that with most of your movies, the novelization. No, 
No, I've never novelized I one you, before. I thought you did on the on um, the last one, or was I there? Mean, oh, it was based on a book. Yeah, that was somebody else's book, and Johnny Gruesome was a script that I turned into a book ten years before I did it as a movie. So this, I when I was a kid, I I read novelizations. You know, you would buy the paperback for a buck yeah. fifty, and they were one hundred and sixty pages long with some photos in the middle, and I, I just kind of want to emulate that. Yeah, that's cool. That's coming back, at least through you, anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where and for people the people find- who plunk down money for it. Yeah, well, exactly. exactly. Because it's only, can- for the, it's only for the contributors. It won't be available anywhere else. Yeah. Where can people find that? Well, I'll put the link on here. Yeah, Indiegogo, Guns of Eden, Finishing Funds. So uh, were there any uh, particular movies you asked uh, the cast to watch for uh, the well, or get ready for the movie? You always hear about Quentin Tarantino showing uh, movies to actors before films. I tried to do that on our one day of rehearsal. And both of these two walked out before the movie was over. Didn't work for me. <laughs> I tried to show uh, Attack with Jack Palance. But it, the genre is, uh, you know, it's, you know, actually it was pretty funny. I, 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 w- I assumed everybody had seen the Rambo movies and Alexandra. Right. Had. I oh, had really? it now. You're too young. <laughs> nope. You're too young for the Rambo movies. But I, I mean, was like. Peter, when we were kids, we saw Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movies on TV. Oh, yeah. We watched old movies. We're yeah. just uncultured swine. So, <laughs> have you seen what, let, let me just say, that's what I thought as, you know, for me, I, I thought that this movie, even though Greg described it as how he described it, I said, oh, this is the female Rambo. Yeah, I heard that a lot on set. That's what I, I, I that's what I was, I, I said, you know, however he described it, I, to me, that was my take on it. I said, this is the female Rambo. And, you know, Rambo had a huge impact on our culture at that time. Like, you know, at, especially during that time, like who didn't like Rambo, right? Yeah. Like, um, and that's kind of what I think that this is going to be heading for. It's a brand new audience that maybe haven't experienced Rambo. And that now, of course, it's woman empowerment. It's the perfect storm for that. You know what I mean? You know, for, for that, for, for, for that audience to be recaptured. The timing is right. Yeah. Did you end up watching the Rambo movies, Alexandra? I still haven't. I was are granddaddy. She's like, no, I'm not watching. My <laughs> no, I will. I will. It's, I went straight from guns of Eden to another movie. And I, I've just kind of come out of that, that whole storm. And now, now I have time and I'm going to do it. I was. I remember. I was on set. And everyone's like, "Yeah, it's a female Rambo." I was like, oh, "Should have watched Rambo <laughs> if I knew this." Well, a question there about just uh, being an actor: Is it better to watch something or not watch it? Because then, yeah, see, there's a part of me that kind of yeah. is glad I didn't in a way because I think people are natural mimics and have a tendency to like copy each other, and I have this whole idea that like i may have copied too much and it comes off like not original and i don't want it to not be original um but i'm now curious to see i'm curious to see the actual to see rambo and and see the the similarities yeah but i I was the male version of me yeah yeah you impacted by uh sylvester stallone in a really monosyllabic role because he doesn't he hardly says anything in that role. i was gonna say I, i've it, seen it's clips. Not like she's she's like re-emulate like that's a you can't re-emulate sylvester stallone's acting he can't act 
Like he just kills people. Like he doesn't act. Hold it. I'm serious. He doesn't, you know, so Russell Stallone is not like Oscar worthy on the acting side, but he makes great, you know, for Rocky. Yeah. Rocky Rocky one, first blood and Rambo first part two and four great performances. That's all. You know, I like the content. I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to see slime. I agree with Greg on Rocky one and, and first blood. Actually, Rocky Four. I mean, uh, uh, Rambo Four is actually really good too. Uh, Zeb, go down. Uh, we all know Zeb. Uh, will you include unused elements from past drafts of the script in your novelization? Yes, the novelization has scenes that we didn't shoot and characters that we added because of the crowdfunding campaign aren't in it, so it'll be a different experience. Have uh, Alexandra and Drax? Have you seen? I know the. Is there a finished version or is it still kind of the, the rough? No, version? it's not finished. It's, it's finished editing. We have a picture, yeah. but both of them have seen that cut. Uh, a little bit of tightening has been done since Peter saw it, um, mm-hmm. but no one has seen it with all the effects added. The music hasn't been added yet. Yeah. Hopefully Adam Block is doing sound editing now. I don't, I don't know. He was really sick for a while. You know, it's funny. We had uh, 60 actors in the film and a crew on average 10. Sometimes it, it was more. 13 uh, on some big days. Not one person got COVID. Now we're in post-production and three of my six people have either had COVID or a super flu that's kept them yeah. down for four to six weeks. Almost yeah. everyone I know has gotten sick in the last month or so. Yeah. Uh, things were really charging forward and now they're just kind of plodding along. It's, it's, it's the sage that's most frustrating for me because I'm relying on other people to do things that I can't do. How did that affect uh, filming the movie? Uh, well, it was a challenge throughout, but we, you know, we prepared. We knew what we had to deal with. And, and that's the reason that I chose to do the film was because 90% of it is outdoors, which mm-hmm. was the safest yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife, Tamara, she had to uh, get everyone's vaccination status. She had to get proof of vaccination. We had a few people that weren't vaccinated, which was frustrating um, but no problems. Mm-hmm. We had hand sanitizing stations everywhere. Our, our, our rule was if you were indoors, you had to have a mask. Mm-hmm. If you weren't acting in the scene and if you were outdoors, it was sort of optional. And there were plenty of hot days where we didn't wear masks outdoors. But um, I, I made it clear to the camera crew that if they were going to be on top of each other outdoors, even they, they should be wearing masks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about uh, casting for the villains? So uh, Bill Kennedy. Well, it's funny. one. Uh, you know, that deli scene in the beginning where th- these two have the shootout. When I went down to ask the, the guy who owns it, who, who was a gruff old guy, um, I was telling him what the film was. He said, who's Teasel? You know, and Teasel is Brian Dennehy's role in First Blood. So he got it right away. Um, you know, I, I, passed, I cast Bill Kennedy um, as the head guy, the local guy. He's done a, a few low-budget horror films. And Tim O'Hearn. I don't know if Tim's ever been on your show, but you know, he's been, no, I so know many, him. I've, I've so many films him. that you've seen. Yeah. And uh, in fact, Tim co-directed a Western that I wrote at the start of the pandemic. So I'll have two movies this year, one that I wrote and, and the, him and his partner did a great job directing it. They shot it in an old West town in Ohio in the heart it, at the height of the pandemic, you know, yeah. they just didn't yeah. care. There were 12 of them living in a bunkhouse in an old West town attraction. And I never saw a photo of any of them wearing a mask. Um, but uh, I do have know, a video with a video interview with Tim from Buffalo. I think 
there's a lot of villains in the film because it's sort of like the warriors where these different yeah. factions with their different styles and uh, that's a great analogy wow like the warriors that's the bad awesome season, I mean, yeah. you, you hear the bad season you think the lizzie's right away unless you're <laughs> alexandra and you've never seen the warriors she's never seen the warriors <laughs> I promise you, she's never seen the warriors <laughs> I would no. check. I'd probably watch that before the Rambo movies. That's really? Good, yeah, I like it. I mean, I have so many to watch now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in the. If we do a sequel, there's going to be a clause in the contract. All these films. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, filming totally your fight? How about Alexander? How about filming your fight scene with Tim? What was that like? So fun. That was such a fun day. Um, the day before we choreographed it and really got it locked. And then we had the night to kind of process it. And then when we got there, it was just, it went really well. Yeah. I mean, we flew through it. We got through got that a lot of coverage. Really fast. Got a lot yeah. of coverage. Um, and Tim's awesome to work with. Yeah. He's a good guy. You know, so he's supportive, patient, all of that stuff. Um, and we, I think it actually, I mean, I saw it like, what? I just thought about, do you, do you remember Greg? Uh, I actually hit him by mistake. No. I don't know if you, if, no. Oh, we were, the rock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, really? he left that. Yeah. So like, there's a scene where uh, in my fight scene, but you know, I, what I do is uh, there's a rock and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a prop. You know what I mean? It's like a styrofoam type thing, but yeah. it looks really real. And we were going through uh, the walkthrough and he was like, I'm okay. We're walking through and I go to a hundred and bam, <laughs> hit him in the face. And like, he like said it, he was like, Hey, what is-? so he like, he, he like gives me stuff about that. He's like, yeah. Cause Travis like, doesn't know how to go half speeds. It's like, you know, <laughs> like hit him in the face. Like, <laughs> oh, I know my only gear is a hundred. That's all I know. I don't know. It is no. It's hard to go half speed. Yeah, I don't. My, my only gear is a hundred. Because <laughs> even even we were running our fight, and they're like half speed, and I'm like, um, I'm still kind of giving a little bit too much. I can feel it, like because you're you're doing a fight scene, and you're like in the headspace, and then you're just like ah, right, and then. But well, yeah, you say half speed so really for the for the camera so he can get his points and focus <laughs> and all that stuff. But I was also worried for your fight scene because we were out. There was no cover. We were out in the sun, and that was yeah. that, well, that was half a day that we spent on that fight. Even though we did, we were efficient the whole time. I was worried about heat stroke and and things like that. Whereas for Peter's fight, there was total tree cover, and the two fights right. stylistically are totally different. And we planned that out that. Alexander's would be long and, and have a lot of cuts, but never have your typical close-ups. We were going to keep it wide shots with just some simple cutaways. But Peter's was always kind of designed to be one long take, which they pulled off. And I, I remember when we were shooting something else where you guys were rehearsing that, we would we were hearing the screams. Yeah. They were basically in a um, a pit. The the, the ground descended on all the sides so it was like a pit so we couldn't see them but we were hearing all these screams and i assume that's from you getting slammed into the tree and when you and andrew were yeah, smacking yeah, each other yeah. you know I, I tell people all like that that see now one of the things let me let me just back this up right so like uh my first time working with greg lamberson um greg is very relaxed on set like he's very relaxed right he's not like He's not barking. He's very relaxed. 
And sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll be like, okay, is, is he in this? Is he like, you know, but what I learned is that Greg Lamison knows exactly what he wants, right? Like he knows when he's got the shot, he knows everything. So when we were getting ready to do this fight scene, uh, as we're rehearsing, um, yeah, it was, I mean, I'm talking about just a hundred percent. We were going out all energy. We're grunting, we're yelling. He's literally slamming me up against a tree, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Not how many me, the actor. Right, the actor. <laughs> He's slamming my <laughs> back up against a tree. And uh, when we did the, the first take of it, it was so real. I don't even know if we could have gotten another take. I mean, we were so, like, just exasperated from breath, my back from getting rammed up a tree. It was just... I, you know, and Greg said, no, we got it. And I was like, oh, you know, and of course it's magic on the, on the camera, but you know, I don't even know if we could have done another take. That was dumb of me not to do another take though. It was perfect, but there were so many times that a uh, take would have a, a glitch you oh. know, that we couldn't use a take. And if that had happened in that scene, it would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been bad. Would have been a lot of CGI on Chris Cosgrave's part <laughs> trying to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Have you done a lot of action uh, movies before, Traz, or fight scenes? Um, I have done. I've, so I've done um, some scenes where, uh, yeah, I've gotten killed a couple times. Uh, I've, I've shot in weapons and stuff like that. Um, but this one, I, you know, I, I, I got a chance to do so many cool things in this movie that uh, Greg kind of, now I got the bug because of Greg, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I, you know what I'm saying? And now yeah. I'm to the point where like, just call me action star Traz. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else unless it's an action. Yeah. Movie. You know, I got a chance to do a lot of cool stuff that uh, normally, you know, either the actor would shy away from, or maybe they're bringing in a stunt double and it was it was great to 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 really get a chance to do those things. Um, I drove a car at like fifty miles an hour backwards. When can I ever say I'll get a chance to do that again? <laughs> right? Like you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? So because of this, um, I you know I, I've done some other films, but by far this was the the the, the coolest movie that I got a chance to do all the the coolest stuff in. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Wood in the chat wants to know uh, what special features can we expect on the Blu-ray and DVD, and he's uh, going to be picking one up on the Indie campaign, Indiegogo campaign. Well, of course, there's the commentary, and uh, there will be some alternate takes, uh, maybe a, maybe a, some uh, flubs, but I don't I don't really like doing those. I don't like embarrassing people if they're good natured and and the person's laughing too that I do, but I, I don't ever want anyone. <laughs> bowing their heads that uh that we're making fun of them um it, truthfully we cut out very little of this film there's there's a couple of deleted scenes um honestly no big shakes uh, we cut the film very tight most of what i wanted is in there so it's not like there's going to be a, a hidden sequence that didn't make the film because it was too long or anything it's the film is pretty much everything i want it to be okay uh, the man knows what he wants like you know, he'll go into it. He's not, he's not, he's not um, questioning 
which angle we should we do? Like he has everything in his mind that he knows that he wants. And yeah. so, so that's how we shot the movie. It, it wasn't, it's yeah. not, a, you know, the outtakes are just the outtakes that we messed up on. But yeah. for the most part, he knew, he knew what he wanted for this. And Chris, yeah. Chris shows a lot of the shots to Chris Cosgrave, my cinematographer. I, I should say um, one of the reasons that I knew the film was possible was if he was able to get the time off from being a stay-at-home dad to shoot it. Normally, he does effect stuff for me, and I've seen his editing, and I've seen stuff he shoots uh, on his own, and I know how talented he is, and he was just the one person in the area that I knew could make this film. And uh, so there was a lot of trust, you know, on my part as as far as what shots to get. There were a couple of times where where I called him out because I didn't, like a particular angle but for the most part we were in total sync on how everything should be covered and uh it's only the second time of the of the nine films i've done where i worked with somebody who was already a friend so we had the the shorthand you know and you didn't have to worry about stepping on each other's toes too much and that makes everything a lot easier especially you normally edit then do you normally edit your own things or do you have someone else never i've had the same editor for 26 years from my second from my third film on um, we have a we have a process. He's in New York City, so we have a process where I do super detailed notes on every take. I like this line from this take, this line from this take. We should go from this to that. I mean, he get my notes to him were almost a hundred pages long. Um, but whenever there's a problem, something doesn't cut. I've learned that I just have to say this doesn't work, and I know he's going to find the solution. Like I learned several films ago that I shouldn't be. Uh, banging my head against the wall because he'll find the solution. And and the editing is so important of a film. Yeah. Uh, Alexandra, what was it like to, to work with some of the veteran actors like uh, Lynn Lowry? Oh my God. I love Lynn. She was so awesome. She's so good too. It, it yeah. was it's a pleasure to work with an actor. Like that's just so good. Like, and, and we had so many good actors on this movie, um, but the confidence that comes with like being a very seasoned actor it was really really cool to get to interact with her hear her stories i went to i got to see uh shivers i believe shivers yeah um yeah i got to see that and hang out with her and stuff um but yeah it's it's really cool because she has stories about how the industry was and how how it's transitioned and it was uh, it was a pleasure working with her uh traz uh how did you uh how did you get in the um the casting side of uh filmmaking? Well, uh for me how how it got in how I got into it was um you know I, I I'm an actor, right? That's first and foremost. Um but I had a buddy uh that came uh from LA. Uh this was some years ago to shoot a film. His name is uh John Abrahams. And um John came and you know we met, I, I knew him, but the, the thing about the, the confidence that he had was that, Peter, you're a good actor and good actors know other good actors, right? So, like, I have a theater background. Um, so I was able to cast his film with a lot of people that I was confident with, that I had worked with in the past. Um, and from there, it kind of snowballed, right? Like, you know, once you're in it and you help other actors get work, then they come back. Well, what do you got? What else you got? You know what I mean? And then also uh, the word travels and it just kind of snowballed. So I was working as an independent casting director um, <laughs> several years. I mean, I, I did, I casted the first purge that was shot in Buffalo, uh, a host of other uh, TV films and things of that sort. But um, 
up to recently, a, a year ago, um, some of my, my friends that were also casting directors that were kind of my competition, but we were all friends. We also helped one another. We decided that we didn't want to compete with one another anymore. So we formed one company uh, called Casting Buffalo. Uh, and we've been extremely successful. We've only been in business for about, you know, for, for one year now. Um, but it's kind of all of our previous databases combined, and we're no longer uh, competing with one another for work, and all of the work comes to us. So it's, it's been a really, really great, you know, um, for me to have that experience doing it on my own and now having partners to share the load with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's been really good. And uh, Alexander, you said you didn't see the Rambo movie, so I was just curious what what uh, what kind of movies are your favorite movies? My favorite, my first favorite movie ever was Gladiator. Um, I also really like like Donnie Darko, Clockwork Orange. My current favorite movie, well, it's a little bit older now, Fight Club. Um, yeah, that those kinds of movies. I like like drama, thriller, action, that kind of stuff. Um, so this was very much something that it was like on brand for what I like. I just hadn't seen certain movies that had inspired it. Yeah. I was just wondering yeah. uh, what kind of movies made you want to become an actor. Yeah. Stuff like that. Stuff like fight club, stuff like gladiator. Um, just things that were a little bit weird, made you think amazing acting, um, new ideas, something that changes you when you watch it. You know, I remember watching Clockwork Orange and being like, I will never be the same person <laughs> after that movie. And right. I love that about film. How old were you when you saw Clockwork Orange for the first time? <laughs> oh, God, I was probably like 10 or uh, 12. I think I was like 12 or something. Yeah. That's probably not uh, appropriate, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Stanley Kubrick's appropriate for all ages. I, right. I wish I, I wish I could get my daughter to watch it. I'm trying to get Lolita on. We'll we'll see. Yeah, oh, inter- <laughs> interesting. I'm actually uh, currently uh, listening to the audiobook. Uh, Brooke Lewis Bella's uh, "Go Guns of Eden." I'm still working mm-hmm. here in Hollywood, but had to take a break to send a congrats and love to er- without your head Aww. and the guns of Eden. Brooke is one of our Thank producers, you. and she has a cameo. She's she's on the TV in the bar scene with Alexandra. She does the. Uh, Judge Perino character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. happy to see her. I'm a big fan of Brooke. And uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned the um, the score, and I, I heard a little bit of on, on your Indiegogo, and it, it really is great. Uh, how much input do you have on something like that? Well, Armand is a composer, and we talk about it, like, from as soon as I start, as soon as I know I'm making a film, we start discussing the score. Um, and we discuss it and discuss it. And very often he forgets everything we've discussed. <laughs> and when he gets in the studio with his partner, he goes off on all sorts of tangents. And sometimes I love the, the tangents and sometimes I don't. But by the end, we're, we're both very happy with the scores. This one, though, um, the, the inspiration I wanted was Ron Grainer, the Omega Man score. And oh, if, you could, listen, yeah, if you listen to our score, it, it plays with that a little bit. And he also did the Doctor Who score and just terrific. And him and uh, Giorgio Moror, Marauders, uh, Cat People. Those are like the two scores. Oh, and uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Those are the three scores that I kept saying, you know, we, I want a mixture of, of all this stuff. Yeah. How, how long of a process is that usually uh, for someone to finish the score? 
It usually ends up taking a couple of months. I mean, uh, his partner, Joe Rosler, is a professional musician and Armand teaches uh, college and he's a professional sound engineer. I think right now he I think he's recording uh, 10,000 Maniacs double album or maybe it's a Goo Goo Dolls. So, I mean, they're in the industry and if they have to take a week off for a, a big record, I can't say no. Now, I know both Alexander and Traz aren't going to be here for, for a long, long time. So, and Alexander's uh, traveling stuff. So, Alexander, how can people follow you and see what else you're up to? Um, I usually post about stuff on my Instagram. It's at AlexandraFay16. Um, that's probably the platform that I'm the most active on. And I usually post about projects, stills, videos. Um, I post on my stories all the time. So, I'd say that's, that's probably the best platform for me. And are you working on anything currently? Um, so I just finished, I'm going into post-production right now for a feature that I was one of the producers on, but I also starred in, um, it's called bound. So we just wrapped on that and then we went into the holidays. So now we're, now we're in getting into post. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's like the main one I'm working on right now. So I got to get that one pretty solid in post and then I'll branch out to some other stuff after. And now uh, Traz, how can people follow you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Traz9, uh, on Facebook at Traz Johnson. Um, you can go to my website, peterjohnsontheactor.com. Um, I got a slew of stuff that I'm working on. I got kids books, um, that I'm an author of. Um, you can also go to my casting website, castingbuffalo.com to find out about, uh, future castings for commercials and films as well. And, uh, can I ask the, the origin of the Traz name? Old school. It's, it's just a, it's a old nickname, old neighborhood nickname. Now, here's the thing. I, I, the reason I keep my social media that way, I also uh, am an adjunct professor at Buffalo State College, and my students like to stalk me, right? So like, okay. right. I can't keep my real name and stuff on there, my professor name, so I just keep my childhood nickname on there. And they'll say, hey, I saw this guy named Traz on Facebook. Is that you? And I'm like, no, it's not me. You know, so <laughs> just throw my students off. Oh my god, that's so funny! Right, I got a very busy man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Ty Chayman here in the chat room. I also know him from Buffalo. Uh, says he's very, he's super excited to see the movie. And Adrian wants to know: Do you have a distributor for uh, Guns of Eden? Before you incident, before you do that, I'm going to sign off, guys. I love you. Support Thanks, the movie. Love yeah. you. Tons of Thank Eden you. coming out soon. Make sure you guys, uh, you know, please give to the finishing funding of the pro of, of the film. But it's a great movie. I promise you guys won't be disappointed. Thanks, Peter. All Thanks right, for meeting. You. Cool meeting you. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so is, is he too early asking about a distributor? Uh, I'm playing that one close to the vest. We'll say we have interest and leave it at that. But um, the sooner, listen, the, the finishing funds make the difference on how quickly we can finish this, the film. Were you at uh, Buffalo Dreams the year we showed a film called Farm Days, which was a kid's film with, with yeah. animals, with human beings? Yeah, I think that was the last one I was at. Before. That was a year before the pandemic, I think. Yeah. If you remember, uh, that director, Ryan Moser, came out and slept in a car. Like he didn't make any arrangements. I didn't know that part, but he's very uh, artsy and and cool about things. But he talked a lot about color correction and I was really impressed. And I made a note. I want to work with this guy someday. And, 
know, just from having met him at the festival. And he's going to be doing our, our color correction out in L.A. And it's going to be the first time I've worked with a professional colorist instead of like my DP or editor doing the best they can. I mean, it's going to be a full color grade and it's going to look fantastic. These things cost money <laughs> when you go to professionals. Yeah. And, you know, the sooner that we wrap up this campaign, hopefully successfully, the sooner we deliver a finished film to a distributor. Well, uh, I always say this, uh, not just you here, but um, I always think your Q and A's are the best um, for festivals because you're coming from a, from a filmmaker's perspective, someone who's been in the business for a long time. So you ask stuff. I don't think everyone else asks. along those lines. Uh, like you just said about color correction, do you sometimes learn from, from younger people who are maybe things you didn't think about? No, <laughs> no. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm, I'm too stubborn. I mean, uh, <laughs> I learn from people if, if they have something to teach, I think, but you know, the technical, <laughs> the technical aspects like color grading and stuff, I don't know my way around editing programs. Like when I edited my first two films, it was on a steam back. And then when I did my third film, Naked Fear with Phil, my editor, and he sat there punching the buttons and I sat next to him. I was, I was like, why am I even sitting here? He, he knows what he's doing better than I do. So a, a key part of everything is to surround yourself with the right people. It's important with a cast. It's important with a crew. I mean, I cast a crew the same way I, I cast uh, talent. You know, I want to know that they know what they're doing and that they're good people to work with and that, that we're going to work well as a group. That's so important to me. And then it's the same thing in post-production. Yeah. I think that's a, that's something good for everyone though to hear, because I think sometimes people want to do every aspect of the movie and, while I get it because then you don't have to pay everybody, but it's kind of impossible to, I think, make something good if you're doing absolutely everything on it. I know, I know some directors, like super talented directors, who are super talented editors. Larry Fessenden is one who he never lets anyone else cut his films. He's a great editor, more power to him. But if I know somebody can do a better job than me, I, I look better if they do a better job than I do if I do a, a, a pissy job. And I got to live with this, these films you know, for the rest of my life. And I don't want to be kicking myself because I did something wrong that somebody else could have uh, made good. Yeah. Plus it takes a lot longer if you're doing everything. Oh, that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I'm involved. I mean, I'm involved just as long either way. What's really cool about today's technology though, is that, you know, my editor in New York sends me a clip and I ask for a few changes and he'll get it to me shortly. And I've had times where then we've sent a, the clip to a composer in LA and he's turned around and had music a couple of hours later. And it's just amazing the emails back and forth, how you can do all this stuff without sitting in the same room with each other. That's very true. Yeah. And very convenient for uh, the pandemic. Yeah. All right. Well, um, well, I'll put up the link for the, the crowdfunding campaign for Indiegogo. It's very cool to have you got everyone here. Talk about yeah. guns and I'm looking forward to it. What are the plans for Guns of Eden once you do have it finished? Is it going right to Blu-ray or, again, is it too early? To the, the plan is to go straight to distribution. If it turns out our release date is far enough away that maybe there's a festival in there, we can do a premiere, fine. But the goal is not to do the festival circuit on this one. I, I want to get it out there, and I want people to see it and appreciate it. Very cool. Right. Appreciate my fantastic lead actress and uh, the rest <laughs> of the cast. She did a yeah. fantastic job. You did. You were great. Oh, I really enjoyed great. watching it, and I really would. I uh, hope to. Well, I will eventually see you know the finished one with all with all the sound and everything. And uh, it would, even though it's going to come out, you said direct, you know, the Blu-ray DVD. It would be cool to see it on the big screen. It would be, especially the helicopter stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was so cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for doing this. Good luck on post, Alexandra. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Safe travels. Yeah. Bye. By the way, Greg, how can people follow you? They don't have to follow me, but if they would go to Indiegogo.com and watch our pitch video, which includes the teaser for the film, you actually see footage from the movie. So you're not just hearing us say, this is what we're going to do. You can actually see what we've done. Uh, that would be awesome. Very cool. Oh, I think you might have froze up on me right here at the end. No, oh, I'm no. moving. Okay. Yeah. It was just real brief. It was kind of, I guess, like when you got stuck in the mud at the end of the movie. But, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Thank you, Neil. I'll wave awkwardly while I hit in, but thank you. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching.